Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Ruler Podcast. I'm Ian Parkinson and in this edition we'll be looking forward to the 2018 pro cycling season. I'm joined by Ruler editor Andy McGrath, executive editor Ian Cleverly and Peridir Apgwenath, who many of you may know as the guitarist from the band Pendulum. Peri Shamai, a croisoe podledad. Wow, tishara kemraig. Diolch. Well, you're not here, just in, in case people are wondering, because of your guitar playing skills. Actually, because uh, you're a big cycling fan, but also you've done a lot of commentary and coverage of the Tour de France in the Welsh language for S4C. That's right, yeah. This, uh, uh, we've done four years now at the Tour. So the first one was when um, the Tour started in Yorkshire uh, back in 2014. That was the first one. Because um, I got a phone call from a, a friend of mine who works for a production company in Wales and said, you like cycling, don't you? And I went, yeah. Oh, um, we're putting a pitch together, he said, for uh, for the Tour de France in Welsh on S4C. I was like, right. He said, uh, he said do you mind if we put your name uh, um, with the pitch? And I said, yeah, all right then. And then six, six weeks later, he calls me back and said, do you remember we had that chat? I went, yeah. Well, we got it. Uh, what are you doing in, in July? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so obviously never done any commentary at all or anything like that, ever. So how did you find it? It was okay. We, um, uh, I was there on the ground for the first three days. Um, we did it li- we did weren't commentating live from from the finishing line, obviously. But I was there co-presenting from the finishing line. So you're not just doing it from some studio in in, in Cardiff. It's a bit of a bit of both. Uh, but um, so we were there um, actually in Yorkshire, just as well, hey, we're here type of thing. And now we're actually there on the ground for about 10 days for the whole lot you know the rest of it is in the studio but um no it was a lot of fun it was really really nerve-wracking especially the first day because it was myself as my brother as well who's he's also uh, he's a professional bass player plays for katie tunstall so um uh, and then there was a couple of other guys griff lewis from uh, who's now with ribble pro, pro cycling and we were like we've never done any commentary before and the the main co- uh, commentator a guy called win griffith said who's done rugby for like 30 or 40 years he said it's just four lads watching tv on a sofa a couple of beers although there wasn't any beer uh, and uh we're just having a chat about the cycling and that's what we've done so it's very conversational the whole thing just uh, us four having a chat here and has it gone down well is there a, a big following for it well yes there is it's um it's not, well this year is our fifth year you know, the, um the first contract was for three years and now it's been renewed for another three years, so it's, uh, 
we're halfway we'll be halfway through that uh this july so they seem to like it it's quite nice i suppose it's helped that you've had Geraint the past few years in in the tour yes and uh, Geraint's wife sarah is with us for the first couple of years as well um on the team so uh and Geraint and luke and obviously hopefully um owen duel and um and have scott davis who's with uh dimension data um there's a, a a lot of Welsh people in the peloton now, and to and Owain and Scott actually speak Welsh as well. So, whenever we get to interview them, they do it in the Welsh language. Well, especially with Geraint winning uh, the tour, uh, the the time trial in Dusseldorf last year, you know it, that was really special for us. You know, a Welshman winning. Um, a stage of the Tour de France for the first time, and actually finishing up in the yellow jersey. We were like. Oh, this is quite handy. <laughs> so, how, how impartial do you Welsh boys on a sofa stay when there's a when there's a Welshman winning? Not actually, no, no. We, we, we were very, very no, no. I, I went nuts. I was there. I was actually there in Dusseldorf, and uh, I was like. I couldn't actually speak. I was just—I'd been waiting for this thing my whole entire life, and it's happened. And I'm there speaking live into a microphone in front of a camera to Wales, and, and I'm going. Uh, uh, it was very unprofessional about the whole thing, but it was just like, you know, I, I was there trying to stop the tears from rolling down my face. Going, uh, you know. and, and how is the Welsh language as a commentary language for cycling? Well, it's it's not... A, it's We've had to... There's technical terms, of course, you know, like, like there's a breakaway, and it's called a dihangiad. Oh, what else is there? There's a skeelwint, which is a slipstream. There's, we've had to think of different... Um, Technical terms for brand new things, you know, things that you, you wouldn't, you know, like a breakaway. If, if you said that out of the context of cycling, it wouldn't make any sense, you know, slipstream, but because with cars, you know. But we've had to think of uh, new terms, which has been well, really There are some technical terms that actually don't translate, you know, much like in French, you know, you think you get yes. things like picnic yes. pop up and other yeah. words that are absolutely But we try to, to, um, to use as much Welsh as possible. So a lot of the words that we use have been made up especially for um for the tour de france you know and now um and they're they're online already saying that this word this term sorry was first used in 2015 uh, on the tour de france so uh, you're creating a language as you go along well, creating cre- words as you go along yeah well technical terms as we go along yeah the, the words are already there but um uh, but used in context, we've we've made them up. Yeah. Uh, you said that you've been waiting your whole life for a Welshman to win a stage yeah. of the tour. Uh, so presumably you've been into cycling for a long time. Then. Yeah, I still love it as a kid. You know, I just remember watching it on kid, on TV. You know, and I remember uh, somebody had an Eddie Merckx. Remember those Eddie Merckx yellow orange bikes yeah. uh, uh, with the five speed? And you know, somebody had one of those. And you know, I had my rally chopper. And it's like, oh, I wish I had something with drop handlebars. You know, so cycling was quite big in Wales back back when I was a kid. Then kind of rock and roll took over them. But a few about ten, twelve years ago, I stopped smoking. That was uh, and. And I started swimming, and I started running, just just, uh, just to get fit again. But um, it was so bored doing those two sports, just dull as hell. So um, I went on holiday with my wife, and we just um, hired a couple of mountain bikes. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. So um, it's like being a kid again. So came home, went straight to my local bike shop, bought a bike, and, uh, and that was it. Back into the cycling again. 
So, yeah, and never looked back, really. OK, well, I said we were going to be looking ahead to the 2018 season. Um, of course, it's already underway, isn't it? The As we record this, the women's tour down under is just finishing and uh, the men's is about to get underway. Uh, tour down under is sort of under-regarded a bit, really, isn't it? We tend to forget about it. Yeah. Um, who's going to win this year? Is the big question, I Richie suppose. Port. It's just kind of picking Australian who's in form. It always seems to be one of them, doesn't it? Uh, Nathan House, everybody seems to be throwing yeah. his name in the mix. I actually think it gets, it's probably going to be very popular with our, with our Aussie listeners, but it gets almost disproportionate amounts of attention because half the fans have been waiting for the road cycling season to recommence for so long. And when it's finally here, they it's all the new kits, it's all these new riders who are on new teams, which we were just saying we won't realise for the next six months, you know. But it is exciting, isn't it? Yeah, and you normally get a good turnout of, of riders, isn't it? The, 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 ride, the, the teams take it seriously. Yeah, it's 20th year, which I, I didn't realise it's been going on for that long. Uh, Sagan's there, isn't he? Uh, on form, he's already won. So yes, yeah, Sagan already uh, won a sort of one day race or something, didn't he? The crit, yeah, yeah. yeah. But the curse of the rainbow jersey, it's clearly doesn't exist. Not with him anyway. <laughs> doesn't apply to Sagan. It was yeah. an amazing finish. Of that final it was just like, he was so wily. You know, gripe, he beat Greipel and uh, Caleb Ewan. You know, both uh, sp- natural sprinters. It was, a prop- it was a proper crit, wasn't it? Wow, not one of those Belgian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were actually racing. They were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it, was, it, was, it was special that day. I thought they crashed like in the finale, so it was definitely a proper crit. Yeah, pretty guy brutal. Went the barriers and took off the barriers out with him, but he almost kept it up. Yeah. So I was kind of praying, like, "Come on, you can do this." Now it went down in the end. Never mind. We'll talk about um, uh, the classics in a bit because I guess that's the. Those are the first big races on European soil. Um, but I guess across the whole year, the sort of big elephant in the peloton is, is Froome, isn't it? And whether he's going to be around for the Giro and the Tour. And um, because, of course, he's got this adverse analytical finding hanging over him, may not be riding anything for a while. Whatever your thoughts on the circumstances, it's not an ideal start to the season, really, is it? It's not good for the credibility of the sport. That's... I mean, that was really kind of, it's been a bit rocky over the, over recent years, but whatever happens with Froome, that's going to be, the sport's fighting for for that credibility this season. Um, it'll be interesting, it's an interesting change, the dynamic of the whole season, because, you know, Contador retired, so did Boonen and Cancellara in the last two years, and we m- may not even have Froome in the Giro or in the Tour, it could be a season of kind of renewal of of some fresh hopes, winning the biggest races. Because it's not clear what's going to happen to Froome, is it? I mean, my understanding from reading everything that's been written, and Lord knows there's been enough written about it, is that yeah, effectively he's almost guilty until he proves himself innocent. So he could well. It, it kind of depends on how long him and the Sky lawyers can string it out for. Well, he's probably in a, in a lab in somewhere in Switzerland as we speak, trying to get that, was it 2,000 micrograms per whatever in his blood, you know, right now, just by inhaling. Because if they find out that he, he can get, he can only get that amount by injecting or by um, uh, ingesting the thing, then he's in trouble, isn't he? So, Yeah, I mean, at best, and I say this, you know, at best, this is a massive cock-up by Team Sky, really, isn't it? <laughs> and that's putting, a, that's putting a, a good gloss on it, really. Latest in a 
series of cock-ups, let's face it. This is a team who are supposed to you know, micromanage every aspect of their riders' lives and training, and they don't seem to be able to manage their... If you know, At best, um, they don't seem to be able to manage their star riders' asthma medication. And they've given the sky haters, and let's face it, there's plenty of them, um, lots of ammunition. Um, it's kind of hard to argue with that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so we could be looking at the Giro without Froome. We could be looking at a Tour without Froome. Or we could be looking at Froome riding the Giro, I suppose, but then not the Tour. Um, it's going to be an intriguing uh, few months, isn't it? I think Dumoulin, is he doing the Giro this year? Yes, he, he said is. he has, yeah, yeah. He's a man, isn't he, really, who could be taking over the mantle. Uh, I think it's make or break for Richie Port, And not literally... Uh, break either because you know he's been in so many crashes but he's 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 kind of getting old in terms of a favorite for the Tour de France I think he's got one or two good years left and if he can stay upright and if Froome isn't there at the Tour you might say he'd be the favorite. Guerin's working for him now as well isn't he so he's got a little bit stronger team than he had well as you said crashing he keeps on crashing out of various races you know yeah he has to learn to keep uh, keep the bike upright really and uh, keep his bones intact and stay off the Toblerone because I went to see him in Monaco and people have been giving him loads of chocolate when he was kind of down and out poor guy but yeah I saw him the other week he was skinny as anything oh great there you go don't you worry whether Froome does ride the Giro or not the Giro this year will be beginning in Israel which in a long list of pretty crap cycling decisions, that's really not looking one of the best, is it? In lots of respects. Oh, the, I mean, the latest one was when Trump, of all people, stuck his oar in the mix. And, and, and made Jerusalem the capital. Exactly. Um, and, you know, the ramifications of that appear to be, um, you know, I mean, you could think that you know, President of the United States could fire off a dumbass tweet, you know, what a surprise. You know, exactly and what he said, you know, and you've got, two, well, you've got uh, Barry Marida and uh, UAE, you know, it's like with him you know, stirring at the hornet's nest once more, you know, can those two teams race the Giro? You know, is, is it going to be too dangerous out there for them? I think in general, some people might say that sport and politics don't mix, but in a sport like cycling that, it, that isn't kept at a stadium or a court that goes across a whole country. I, I don't see the truth in that statement. Like, of course they're combined. They're intimately combined because to organise a massive bike race, you need that political side. As Christian Prudhomme will tell you at the Tour de France, you need to have these local politicians all the way down to the tiniest councillors on your side at certain points. Well, for all the gloss they, they put on it, you know, coming from Israel's side, it's an attempt to normalise Israel's standpoint and that's contentious straight away you know so let's talk about the uh, classics and there's one thing that this year will be missing from the belgian classics and i'll play it to you now Rodania. Rodania. probably the most annoying jingle in the world but it's absolutely if you've ever been to a, a belgian race not just the uh, the classics but uh, uh, or watch it on the telly. It's absolutely part of the atmosphere, isn't it? And they're not going to be there this year. Yeah. For all that, you know, they've written about Cancellara retiring, now Boonen's gone, you know, there's this big vacuum. Never mind that. No Rodania. No that Rodania. Is, that is massive. <laughs> massive. 
It's the worst jingle. I read an interview, I think it was on In the Ring, where, with the uh, marketing bloke who came up with the jingle. And, it, well, and he had like a lunchtime to come up with something that fitted four syllables. <laughs> and um, Beethoven's fifth is, you know, out of copyright, clearly. So he just went, and uh, it's, you know, the best lunchtime's work he's ever done. But oh, what, uh, Yeah, I was just wondering if he's on a royalty, like the, the fellow who did the Channel 4 thing. Do, 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 do. It's just four notes, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Made millions out of that. Oh. Yeah. Good little owner. The little car with a watch on top that uh, precedes every sort of be- decent Belgian race is not going to be there because the uh, sponsorship deal has expired or whatever. So that's, uh, that's a shame, but um, hopefully the racing will be all right. Any pointers for the classics? I presume, you know, the, the usual figures uh, will be in there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Het Newsblad because they have put in the old Tour of Flanders finale, the one that was there for 40-odd years. The finish will be in Meerbecker. The Moor will be 15k from the finish and, and then the Bosberg and, and the rest of it, which normally I'm a, a little bit down on that first classics race of the season, but it's going to be totally different this year. I'm really amped up for it. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, Favourites wise, because I, I was having a look at who the young guns I, who who might come through. I kind of like the look of T. Spanut, the Lotto Sudal rider. He's not been off the boil last few years, but not quite as good as his first season. I think like, he's due a return to form. I think one of the Trek guys too, like Degenkolb or Jesper Stoyven, might nick a classic, even a monument, because there's definitely a space to fill in that Trek Segafredo te- team as leader. Now Cancellara has gone. Well, it's been a few years, hasn't it? Yeah, Oliver Nason as well. I think it's uh, he's there. Well, his team's been bolstered a little bit um well Sylvain Dillier's gone to AG2R so he's you know, he's great in both the classics and in as a domestique in in the grand tours and he's won the stages he's, he's, well he won a stage last year at the Giro didn't he so he's there to help Mason and to uh, help Barty later on in the year but so look up for him I think but um Matteo Trentin He's now with Mitchelton, Mitchelton Scott as, I think, a leader. Uh, he's been a domestique with Quickstep for so many years, but it'd be very interesting to see what happens with him. You know, he's got a great team behind him. I've always loved the old Orica, the Green Edge, whatever you want to call them, but um, it'd be very, very interesting to see what he does. You know, he's coming back from an injury. I think he's broken a rib at the minute, uh, but uh, he'll be ready for the classics, apparently. So I've always expected Luke Rhodes to come up with something in he's... the classics, just... Still, uh, you won't see him until next year, I don't think, because his injury was so bad uh, in the summer, you know, when he broke his leg. It's, um, yeah, apparently it's still quite bad, so you won't see him. I doubt you'll see him this year at all, in the, um, well, doing anything of, of worth in the classics, at least. Yeah. And we're still waiting for a wet Paris-Roubaix. Yeah. Wouldn't that be good? Oh. I just keep going back every year, because I can't possibly miss a wet one. It's been 15 years now, more than that, I think, so... I was talking. I was talking to Greg Van Avermaet last week, and he said, "I was so, so what? You know, everybody that watches the race is always banging on about. It'd be lovely to have a wet Roubaix." And he was like, "No, no, fine, nice and dry and dusty. Thank you very much. That'll do for me." Every rider would hate it. They, they all say that actually, yeah. But it would look fantastic, and it would be something they'd probably remember if they get to the finish in, intact and all the rest. So no Olympics this year, but. Uh... World Championships at the end of the season. And uh, Welter, again, 
always gets forgotten a little bit, doesn't it? Overshadowed by the uh, overshadowed by the two other Grand Tours. Yeah, they only announced the route at the weekend, but I had a very quick look just before coming over. Um, starting um, in Malaga, going to Marbella. So it always likes going to kind of Brit tourist friendly locations, and I think it's going to Lagos de, de Covadonga, which is a iconic Spanish climb in I think Asturias, and it's paying a visit to Salamanca and the university there, which I think is one of the oldest in the world. Or but it's also a beautiful city as well. Still feels such a long way like away though the Vuelta. It's hard to contemplate. And re- regarding like you know, who the heck is going to win it, stroke, ride it. Who knows? knows? All bets are off by this. Who knows? You know, you don't even know till the end of the Tour de France, do you? Depending on who's had a good one, had a bad one, who missed it, yada, yada. It's just, uh, yeah, you just have to put a big question mark next to that one till middle of the summer. So no new teams in the uh, Pro Tour ranks, are there? Just a few different name changes, different sponsors. A couple of um, continental teams that... uh, We'll probably get wild cards. There's a few new ones in there. But generally, it's pretty much the same as last year, isn't it? I think Brian Crockard's got a new team. What's it called? Well, it's, um, <laughs> it's Vital Concept. That's it, So yeah. it's the old Fortunate Vital Concept. The two sponsors just split, split up last year. And this will be the second year in a row that he's not um, riding the Tour de France. Because he did Direct Energy uh, last year, and, he's, and he said that he's going to go with this new team. To ride the Tour de France was yeah, the intention, yeah. probably at the back of his mind. Yeah, so so, so obviously they, they didn't give him a, a place on on the, on the team last year, uh, last year, and he hasn't. They haven't got a wild card this year. So that's two years in a row that one of the best French sprinters doesn't get a ride the Tour de France. So any Frenchman with any common sense who definitely wants to ride the Tour de France should sign for Cofidis, who get a wild card every year despite being absolutely appalling. That's right. Yeah. If they didn't have Buani, they wouldn't have yeah. any points. Anything else we've forgotten? Well, the Worlds is going to be... It's, that's an interesting course this year. It's more for the climbers, isn't it? So I was thinking, wasn't that one of the reasons that maybe Froome was going to... Well, he might still do uh, do the Giro and then the Tour and then do the Worlds and he'll get the triple, like Stephen Roach did. It's meant to be like the hardest Worlds in 30-odd years, uh, like Innsbruck, really mountainous. Uh, finally, we'll see one for the climbers because... It's rarely for the pure climbers. Can't think of the last one. But people are saying that, despite that, like Sagan is still targeting it, that he will look to be two kilos lighter and that he, he could win it, which I guess he could. That would probably be the most impressive of his four if he does manage to do that, though. You get so used to seeing the Worlds as a, as a, a, a race of attrition where people go out the back, not out the front. That it just—it's one of the dullest races of the year for me. So that's 2018 sorted out. Um, exciting times now because we've got uh, not one but two new features on the Ruler podcast. Um, uh, the first, I freely admit, is nicked from someone else. Uh, many years ago, uh, there was a podcast called the Real Peloton podcast, uh, which was presented and put together in a completely haphazard and slapdash way by Matt Rendell and Ned Bolting. Whatever happened to them? Yeah, I don't know. And they had a feature called Sod Off Corner, um, which was a bit like sort of uh, Room 101, I suppose, i.e. that it was just a chance to moan about whatever had got your goat in cycling that particular month. Uh, We were going to call it Sod Off Corner, but that is probably copyright, uh, Matt Rendell and Ned Bolting. So uh, we've come up with the... um, 
title Get Down, Stay Down for this feature. Are you supposed to say that in a sort of Danny Dyer voice? Or? Get down, stay down. Yeah, there's something like that. That was very good, actually, wasn't it? <laughs> well, that's, that's oh, well, I'd, Welsh I'd, I'd, I'd Cockney. I'd go more, more north than that, I think. Get down, stay down. Well, uh, yeah, I was supposed to have a jingle for it, but I haven't quite worked out the tone for it yet. But as soon as I get, as soon as I get the inspiration... I'd just be singing in different accents. <laughs> get down, stay down. So get down, stay down. It's like Room 101. Is there anything or anyone that's really knocked you off in cycling? Uh, if so... This is the uh, chance to let you steam off uh, about it. Now, Ian, you're usually such a positive ray of sunshine about uh, cycling. Anything been upsetting you recently? That's right, Ian. I am very positive, uh, generally. But, um, this is actually um, uh, quite an unusual one to start with because I got um, sent a sort of spam email from a company making um, cycle clothing, or I won't name them, making UK outdoor clothing brand, best known for supplying the emergency professionals, blah, 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 blah. Now, they have introduced a, a cycling jacket, high-performance storm jacket, featuring a large hood that will fit over helmets and reflective piping to ensure safety whilst on the road or mountain. Now, when They've I never was ridden school, a bike, have they? They've never ridden a bike. When I was at school, I was so proud to have the first snorkel jacket in the whole school. I was the bee's knees. I just... You know, but with extra snorkel. It, it was out here. I was like the, um, um, the guy off of South Park, you know. Kenny. Yeah. And <clears throat> fantastic at school. Try riding a bike. You turn your head and your head disappears inside the hood. You, you know, you see nothing. It's not a safety feature. It's a danger feature. Have you pointed that out to them? No, I just thought I'd let it go and um, and and just put it in sort of corner or get down, stay down as we it as can we're stay down, to. stay down. There okay, uh, Andy, anything been upsetting you recently? Well, in the world of cycling, you mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah Don't get me started on that. <laughs> on the other stuff, it's just a kind of general moan about the over entitlement of former pros to comment on the current scene, because I get they are totally allowed to comment on certain aspects. They've won this race, they've won that race, they've been there. But it's when they start overrating it, like one former pro who will also remain nameless was moaning about riders going around unzipped with the jerseys unzipped. Uh, and race radios always seems to be the bugbear of a certain generation. And they will always say that it was better in their time. But it wasn't better in their time. I feel the money was lower. They drove everywhere stayed in Campanils. More often than not, it re- really wasn't better. That's the thing. Like Other budget hotels are available, by the way. No, no offence, Campanils. Yeah, and they aren't sponsoring this podcast either, no, are they? No, maybe so, they should. So it's just a case of, of balancing that a little bit more. Moany old pros is basically what you're saying, isn't it? Moany old pros have got being, your goat. Being too moany, yeah. Get down, stay down. Perry, can I say the ASO? Yeah, go on. Good. Yeah, Go large. Is, it's just oh, yeah, geez. just the uh, La Course. It's down to one day. What on earth is going on? You know, it's not going to cost them that much more money to have a proper women's race that runs concurrently with the Tour de France. All the, everything's there. Everything that you need to film a, a, and broadcast a race is there. It's not going to cost them that much at all. It's going to be better uh, for television viewers. You know, the whole thing this year about. Um, Broadcasting the whole of the race, you know, you've got six and a half hours sometimes of of a long transitional stage. 
the first four hours is pointless. It's absolutely pointless. And, and luckily for us, we didn't have to. We don't do the first half of the races, but you know, the other uh, commentators do, and it's it's dull for them, and it's dull for the viewers as well. How about they show a woman's race in that first section of of, of the men's race? You know, um, it probably have to start halfway. Um, along the course, you know, um, along the stage, maybe uh, half the length of the uh, the actual uh, men's course, but at least there will be a, a proper stage race for the women. You know, as we saw, saw in the 2012 Olympics, you know, the, men, the women's race was way more exciting than the men's race. And we keep on seeing that all the time. It's, much, it's, it's just as exciting and sometimes even more exciting than the men's. But ASO just truly don't seem to get it, do they? They really don't. They just... They just say you know shrug their shoulders and go well this isn't our responsibility and well come on you're the biggest thing in the sport it, it, it is you know? oh yeah when they, when they announce it's just going to be the one stage this this year and i was like oh come on yeah. seriously as much as anything it's the sort of inconsistency isn't it it's the sort of messing about with the format every year which which seems to get quite rightly to women pros i i you know as a, the sort of ongoing disrespect for Women's racing in a lot of areas is is is, is a is a constant uh, is is a constant downer. I mean, coming back to Omnib Head Newsblad, it's the thirteenth women's edition. You know, it's a, this year, and and that's what we need more consistency. And it doesn't necessarily. I mean, I, I know there's arguments within the women's sport about whether they should be piggyback on the men's races or whether it should be a standalone event. And I think there's pluses and minuses in both. And I think there's room for both. But I think I think the women love riding races like that in front of big crowds. But they also love having their own stand events. Like you know, the women's tour over here is 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 as good as they get, isn't it? Um, but you know, hats off to Het Newsblatt for doing that for thirteen years, and it'd be nice to see some more. You know, Paris Bay again, ASO, isn't it? Bottom line is there is nothing stopping that. There is a way around it if they wanted a women's Paris Bay, and really they need it because almost every other monument has some kind of women's race. Not you want to be tokenist, but still there should be one. There's an under-23 Paris-Roubaix. There's a junior Paris-Roubaix. There's a sportive as well. There's, yeah, several sportives, and yet there's no women's. Come on. That all makes mine, uh, my moan sound a bit pathetic, really. I, uh, <laughs> but I'll say it anyway. <laughs> Every winter, when you go out in weather like today, and you know today has been a pretty shocking British winter day, you see people on Pinarello dogmas with their deep carbon wheels and their skinny racing tyres riding round in the rain. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> what is wrong with them? What's wrong with mudguards? What's wrong with riding a 65-inch fixed all winter like I do? You know, that's... Maybe they haven't got very much money and they can't afford a second bike. <laughs> yeah. No? They spent it all on the Pinarello dogma, you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's our moaning. If uh, you're listening to this and there's something that you really want to get off your chest, uh, cycling-related preferably, uh, you can mail us, podcast at ruler.cc, and uh, we'll read out the best of them and, uh, and discuss them on the next podcast. Uh, 
Another brilliant innovation we're trying out for the first time is Stuart Clapp's Tech Corner. Uh, note to self, that needs a snappier title. We're asking our tech and kit fanatic, Stuart Clapp, who is editor of Ruler Desire, to keep us up to date with the latest in bike and clothing developments and report to us from his high-tech laboratory in deepest Leon C. Are you there, Stu? I am. I am indeed. I was just I was looking out the window. I was looking at, uh, at ships going past, actually. It's, uh, yes, uh, it's a glorious setting in Leon C, which isn't South End. Of course not, it's, no. Uh, it's just down the road. What have you been playing with well, uh, this week, Stu? This week, I've been mostly wearing uh, the Chapter 3 JJ jacket. It came in a little while ago, and I really liked it. Chapter 3 do things that aren't... I mean, they, they kind of have a little bit more uh, haute couture about them. And with the JJ, it's like... I'll, I'll need to explain it because obviously people are going to be listening to this and why not. So it looks like um, a 1980s diving jacket. What, like a wetsuit? Yeah, like yeah, like a wetsuit. It was modelled on Sean Connery. I was talking to I was talking to the guys from the brand actually at, at uh, the Rulo Classic, and they were saying about how it was designed on Sean Connery's wetsuit jacket that he wore in Thunderball. I think his was red. This is grey, but it's like, yeah, it's got. It's even got an oversized zip on it, so it's like it, they they have, you know, it really is. It's not just a passing resemblance to it. I actually, I've worn it to the cafe, and people have gone in and gone, "Is that a wetsuit jacket?" Is that a good thing? Do you want to people to think you're wearing a wetsuit down the cafe? Well, yeah. I don't know whether that's uh, the narcissistic sports pimp in me. It's a bit unusual. It's a bit unusual, and uh, and and it's a bit of a talking point. You, you guys, you ride with get a new bit of kit, and it goes completely unnoticed. We like, you know, black and white. Oh, right, brilliant. Yeah, you've, you've got a new piece of kit. You've got this, but it's not a talking point. This jacket is a proper talk, like this jacket or jersey. They've said that you can use it for both, and um, and it's actually a, it's it's a really cool bit of kit. And for chapter three, it's not ridiculously expensive it's it's just two it's 200 pounds so it's like a sort of that sort of i've been wearing it a lot now where it's been you know if it hasn't been raining or hasn't been like freezing cold it's that good intermediate jacket i think it's really cool it's got three pockets on the back which is handy because i know some of the stuff they haven't and a pocket on the front um which i haven't worked out what i'm going to put in there yet i don't know snacks what else have you been enthusiastic about this uh, this week i know you were uh, you're talking earlier about some sunglasses yeah i was yeah um obviously we we get you usual sus- suspects you know the the stuff that, that you you, you see in the magazine we, we get you know from the likes of rafa castelli all the different brands in um but one of the other aspects of my job which i i've i really enjoy doing is actually is looking for brands that perhaps people haven't seen or yet, and and we, which is quite nice. We, we, we had the kit from Warsaw in uh, a little while ago. And one of the things that I found, but I mean, there, there are lots of independent small clothing brands and stuff setting up all the time. But there's, I saw a sunglass brand a little while ago called Alba Optics. It's just, I really like the brand. I think it's quite cool. And the lenses are like, but not, too dissimilar from saying like some of the original like some of the 80s oakley stuff or like the 100 percent stuff you know it's like it's it's quite oversized and the frames look kind of 
I don't know. They, they, they look, they look fairly cheap, but I think that's what kind of makes them cool. They look, they don't look over, overproduced. You're not really selling this to us, Stu. <laughs> ah, see the thing. Well, well, this is it. This is it. They, there's something like, again, it's one of those things that when you wear them, people go, what sunglasses are those? People say, what have you got on your face? What? Yeah. Well, they, they're almost like petrol station chic, right? You know, you can go in there and like find these, find these sunglasses that, you know, you go, oh, you know, oh, look at those. Who would buy those? Well, actually, I would because they look like these Albert optics. But the lens is fantastic. But the whole design is just, it's, I don't know, if, quirky, I think is a word I'm after. There's a black pair is a really fluorescent pink one. But one of my favourite colours, they've done like a, a lime and yellow one, which reminds me of jelly snakes. And I've got, yeah, I've, I've, I've got a real thing about jelly snakes because when I was younger, there's a, a fond memory is that I used to take this dog, my dog for a walk, my sister's dogs, over the back of the house. And we used to go to this place called Anne's Mini Mart, right? Well, I'm sorry, we seem to be uh, losing uh, contact with Stuart there. He's off on one of his uh, jelly snake rants again. Stu, Stu, you there? Stu? No, no, I think we've lost him. Okay, thanks a lot, Stu. Anyway, the narcissistic sports pimp will be back in a couple of weeks' time with another trip round the uh, technical cupboard. I think that's why I like that colourway. I think the jelly snake thing is speaking to me. That's pretty much it from this podcast. Join us again in a couple of weeks. Thanks to Ian Cleverly, Andy McGrath, and, of course, to Peridir Abgwaneth. Uh, catch up soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.